Hello, and welcome to Imperfect Men, yet another Rexipod writing all the founding fathers from Andrew Adams to George With. I'm Cody. I'm Steven. And today we are discussing another Carol. Carol. But this time, Daniel Carol. Daniel Carol. A lot of Carol, Carol rollers. Carolers? <laughs> Carolers. Yep. Hey, it's, cl- it's getting close to Christmas. Yeah, hey, there yeah. we go. Tis the season. <laughs> All right, Daniel Carroll, let's dive into it. Born on July 22nd, 1730 in Upper Marlboro, I, Upper Marl, Marlboro? <laughs> Marlboro? Yeah, that one. Or Marlboro. M-A-R-L-B-O-R-O. Marlboro. Like the cigarette. Yes. Okay. Upper Cigarette, Maryland. <laughs> I can't say that word. The Marlboro, man. Yeah, that one. Uh, his parents, Daniel and Eleanor Carroll. Because yeah. again, heaven forbid we give these people different names. Yeah. Uh, but he was a cousin of last episode's subject, Charles Carroll of Carrollton. Mm-hmm. And like his cousin Charles, is born into a wealthy plantation owning Catholic family. Ah, wasn't he Irish? Catholic? Irish Catholic? No. What well, wasn't the last one? I think, I think it was just Catholic Catholic. His, well, his, like his family may have come from Ireland like generations right, before. Right, right, yeah. yeah. That's what I meant. That's all I meant. Like his uh, cousin Charles, he was sent to Europe for his education, studying at the College of St. Omer in France from 1742 to 1748. Mm. So he's spent a great deal of time in Europe. Okay. Just like Charles. Just like Charles. After a tour of Europe, again like Charles, he returned home and married his cousin, <laughs> Eleanor, As you do. in 1752. You come home and you marry your cousin. Yep. <laughs> his cousin... Slash wife, <laughs> Eleanor Carroll, who has same name same name as his mother, Eleanor oh. Carroll. Oh man, this is some Oedipus stuff. The, man. Yeah, this this is getting into some weird think, uh, weird weird crap. I think Freud would have something to say about all this. Yes, he would. Uh, he began drifting towards the patriot cause in the early 1770s, but was hesitant to take action, fearing negative economic consequences for his family. Didn't want to lose any money. Well, of course. Because money is more important than country. I mean, to a point. He was elected to the Maryland Senate in 1777 after the passage of a new state constitution removed the prohibition on Catholic participation in politics. And he would serve until 1789, including several stints as the Senate president. He was elected to the Confederation Congress, where he served until 1783. And he was selected as a delegate to the Constitutional Convention in 1787. Mm. And he advocated for ratification through several articles in the Maryland Journal. Uh, one of several people at the time who would uh, utilize the press to either oppose or advocate for ratification. Oh, yeah. He was elected as one of Maryland's first representatives in the U.S. House of Representatives, serving one term from 1789 to 91. And he was appointed as one of three commissioners tasked with surveying and purchasing land for the newly created federal district, later Washington, D.C., serving in that role until 1795. Dang. He was elected again to the Maryland Senate that same year, but died on May 7, 1796 in Forest Glen, Maryland, age 65. Mm. Yeah. Didn't live as long as his uh, cousin. Lord, no. No. Few people did. Yeah. (laughs) Especially back then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so just kind of run-of-the-mill life in terms of when it comes to these 
the the people we've been discussing. So, not really much to them in that regard. But we'll see. Mm. If there's a bit more in the categories. Oh, I'm sure there is. Yep. So, perpetual union. Mm. How influential were they on the founding documents? So he signed two of them, oh. which is the first time we've had a, a double dipper in quite a, quite a little while. I think. I think it's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. You know, actually, this is probably Sam or John. The last one to sign two of them was Josiah Bartlett. They have the episode beast. nine, and this is episode twenty-two. So yeah. it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a little while. Dang. Yeah. Uh, it's your last uh, May. Was <laughs> <is> when we. <laughs> <laughs> That's when the episode came out. It was probably April when we talked about him last. Jeez. So, yeah. So, the Articles of Confederation. He was not present in Congress when it was drafted, but he was present at its signing. And as I mentioned about the Articles, the state delegations signed the Articles as their state ratified them. Mm-hmm. Maryland was the last to ratify it. Mm-hmm. They didn't ratify it until February 2nd, 1781, which was well over two and a half years after the articles were submitted to the states. Okay. And there's a reason why they didn't do it, but I'm going to bring that up in We the People, because Daniel Carroll was one of the leaders against ratification for this specific reason. Mm. But it has, it's not... It wasn't really anything to do with the articles themselves. It was more something that Maryland wanted okay. in exchange for ratification. But it did have a, a, a good effect on the, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the the later history of the country. So I feel mm-hmm. like it that fits more in We the People than Perpetual Union. But know that he is, the re- he is a leader in preventing the articles from getting ratified by Maryland, mm-hmm. which prevents them from being implemented. Uh, okay. So, okay. but by early 1781, the conditions that he wanted have been met or committed to be met. So he, uh, he, he acquiesces and the articles are finally ratified. Okay. So it was, it was him to hold that up that long. He was one of the leaders of it. Yes. Ah, geez. Okay. But he was, but he was soon elected to the Continental Congress. So when Maryland said, Hey, we're going to ratify these, they notify Congress. He's in the Continental Congress now, so he signs it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so he signs it, so yeah. he gets a bonus point for that. Yeah. Hey, hey. They didn't have anything to do with it. That, but yeah. It's been a lot of them, though. Yeah. At the Constitutional Convention, he submitted a proposal to allow states to impose import taxes to fund harbor and navigation improvements, which was later included in the final text of the document. It was Article 1, Section 10, Clause 2. Dang. So he he pushes for a specific for for something you know kind of kind of specific that eventually ends up as a you know a little bit in the constitution like hey states can do import taxes for this purpose. Dang. So that's that gets it in the constitution. That's really his only contribution to the constitution itself. Still though, I mean, yeah. that's more than a lot of them. Honestly, yeah, he did uh, put forward a few other proposals that were rejected. Uh, he wanted the ratification of the constitution to be unanimous Mm -hmm. and by his rationale it kind of makes sense because ratification of the articles had to be unanimous Mm -hmm. well the ratification of the document replacing the articles should also be unanimous yeah makes sense but that was rejected okay end up being requiring uh nine states out of the 13 had to ratify the constitution for it to become effective fair so uh, another 
proposal that he put forward that was kiboshed was at the very end of the convention, he proposed uh, submitting a general letter to the people of the country saying, hey, well, this is why we took all these decisions. That was rejected because, one, the delegates just want to go home. <laughs> Two, they didn't want all their, like, every single decision they made to be second-guessed because yeah. they've already spent all this time explaining themselves at this convention for four months. Mm-hmm. They don't have to keep doing it again. Sure. Some yeah. of them, sure, they're they're they'll go on and do it as Carol did. Um, afterwards, ad- advocating for ratification, and of course, uh, Madison, Jay, and Hamilton would write the Federalist Papers, mm-hmm. saying you know why we took these decisions. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the time, it was just like, no, we just we just want to go home, dude. It's too much work. Yeah. Don't want to work anymore. Yeah. We're done. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's perpetual union. Not bad, not bad. So, so what do you want to give him? So he signed. He signed the Articles and the Constitution. Yeah, and he, he and contributed he... that one clause of the Constitution. Right. He was also kind of the main, like the last obstacle to the Articles getting ratified. Right. So I don't know <laughs> if I don't know if you want to, if you would include that in how much of an impact he had on the crafting of the document. Because he didn't contribute anything to, like it's like it's actual text. Ooh, that's a good point. But he was kind of a obstacle in the road to it actually being implemented, which is still affects it. Yes. So I would say, dang. Okay. Well, if you look at it that way, I want to give him like a seven. Seven. Yeah, because getting something in the Constitution as small as it might have been, yeah, that's so that's important. pretty big. Yeah. And then. Being such a big obstacle to get something that was, you know, a precursor of the Constitution. Yeah. Now, to be fair, Congress by this point had kind of just not straight up adopted the articles. They were just like, okay, we know this is going to get passed eventually. We'll just operate under this just kind of ad hoc. Still, I mean, yeah. he had that effect on it, though, mm. which is pretty big. I mean, it's not huge, but like... yeah. Especially since, even... especially since they end up getting replaced a few years I'm, later. I'm gonna stick with seven. I'm seven. gonna stick with seven. I'm gonna say a five. Okay. Because, because uh, um, certainly not nothing. But not enough. Yeah, it, it's just like it's just middle of the road for me. That's fair. So I don't know getting a getting anything in the Constitution. That's a big one for me. So yeah. even if it's something small. Yeah, because you know it's not a huge document. No. You know, there's not a lot in it, and if you got a, a piece of it, like that's like a that's clause. a hu- that's history. Yeah. That's like yeah, that's you true. know what I mean. Like just saying, he's also coming. Yeah, he's, it, and you can see why he would push for that because Baltimore is one of the most important harbors in the U.S. at this time. Right. So he's like, exactly. hey, we want to tax this stuff so we can make the harbor better. The harbor. <laughs> the harbor. <laughs> Get, yeah. Make the harbor better. Yeah. Here's your crab. So. uh a seven and five as a twelve for perpetual union, mm-hmm. which isn't bad. Okay, so we the people, what effect do they have outside of the founding documents? So as I mentioned, he helped him raise money for the Patriot cause. Again, wealthy landowner, he can do so. Now, I mentioned his opposition to the Articles. Didn't really have anything to do with the Articles themselves. It had to do with Western land claims. I <laughs> Again? So, <laughs> who else had that? Was it 
his cousin. You're thinking. You're probably thinking of William Blunt. Yeah, Blunt. He liked. He, well, he, he liked speculating in Western lands. Yeah, that's, that's a little different. It was a little different. Okay, okay. So the royal charters that all these colonies had over the years, they all had very different claims as in terms of. Oh well, you could. Th- this colony is chartered to have this land, and this colony is chartered to have this land. A lot of them overlapped. Oh. I'm about to show you a very confusing map. Oh boy. So, okay. <laughs> here you have the 13 colonies. Uh, okay. Connecticut claim. Here's Connecticut. Connecticut, because according to their charter, which went from sea to sea. Okay. Connecticut should have all this land here. Wait, what? Yes. It's like the top half of Pennsylvania through what is today Ohio, what is today Chicago. Like, you know, like Ohio, there's like the Western Reserve up north. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the Connecticut Western Reserve. What the That's where that comes from. Massachusetts claimed this land here, like the lower half of Michigan and Wisconsin. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Georgia claimed this land, North Carolina this land. Like, these two, like, those were accepted. But Virginia claimed, because here's Virginia, and what would be Kentucky, they had that as well. Virginia claimed all of this land. Okay. New York claimed all of this land. Okay. So you have it it's a hot mess. That's you have very all confusing. this all these colonies having like all these different land claims. Like New Hampshire and New York both claimed Vermont, what would become Vermont. Yeah. Uh looks like Massachusetts is part of Maine. Maine used to be part of Massachusetts. It yeah. was up until eighteen twenty. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, so like you have like all these competing land claims. But if you notice, one of the states that I did not mention having a Western land claim, Maryland, which is where Daniel Carroll is from. MD, right there. It does not have a Western land claim. No, it doesn't. Oh, I see. Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so his issue was that... If all these states, even if, you know, they figure out, okay, you get this bit and we get this bit. If they figure out their disputes, they're still going to have a massive advantage over Maryland and other smaller states like it. Yeah, Rhode Island. Yeah, so like Rhode Island's going to be screwed, New Hampshire, uh, New Jersey. These states are going to be kind of screwed over because they're not going to have any of these western lands right because even if they don't incorporate it as part of their own territory they can still sell it off sure and have a massive advantage so he's like no i we we should not be okay with this document until all these these colonies give up their western land claims because that way the federal government has it and they can be submitted as, as new states or whatever is done with it but all the states will be on a much more equal footing. That's fair. You know, namely Maryland. Right. You know, because it doesn't have any land claims. Right. That and makes he, sense. And he sticks to this position for two years, for over two years. Mm-hmm. And like the like the twelfth state to ratify ratified it in February seventeen seventy nine. He sticks to his guns, and Maryland is not ratified until seventeen eighty one. Mm-hmm. When 
Virginia commits to giving up its western land claims, when New York commits to giving up its western land claims. And he's like, okay, well, if these two states are going to do this, a lot of the smaller states are probably going to follow. Okay, I'm going to remove my objection to the articles. We can go ahead and ratify them now. Wow, that's so, strategic. So, so that really has an effect on really where we live in the Midwest. It does. Because it was because you like New York claimed Ohio, Virginia claimed Ohio, Connecticut claimed part of Ohio. Weirdly, uh, yeah, that was a weird. That was weird. Well, that's where you get like the Western Reserve up north. Yeah, like that. That's the Connecticut Western Reserve. Okay. okay. So that's that's why it's <laughs> that's why it's that. That's why it's called that. But um, that's weird. That's yeah. so weird. So, so his kind of obstinacy with that. It really shaped the Midwest today. It did. That's so, huge. And this is, you know, this is why in 1787, uh, the Confederation Congress is able to pass the Northwest Ordinance, which creates the Northwest Territory, which sets up like how Dang. our whole our home state is structured. So, uh, so th- that's very important. Uh, while he was in Congress, he spoke in favor of and voted for the federal assumption of debts, which comes into play later. I'll explain that. As I mentioned, he was one of three commissioners appointed to survey the boundaries of the new federal capital district and lay the cornerstone for the southern point of the district. Holy crap. Now, I could not figure out which one specifically came up with this, but there were three commissioners at the time. In 1791, when he was one of the commissioners, they named the federal district as the District of Columbia... And name the capital city as the city of Washington. Dang. So he is one third responsible for naming Washington D.C. Oh. <laughs> well, dang, that's pretty big. Yeah. And he was also an investor in the Potomac Canal, which sought to link the Eastern Seaboard with New Western lands. It didn't really work out as well as intended. It was kind of George Washington's pet project. Didn't really work out terribly well, but it, it just. He was involved in it, so. So, yeah. Well, crap. So, it, it's like a bunch of things that, like you don't think about. Like, no. How does Washington, D.C. get named? Well, this, this guy. guy. <laughs> this well, well like, he was one of three possible. Yeah. Well, you said he placed a cornerstone, even, of, like, the, the, the line of the district. Yes. Which is crazy. Like, that's big. Yep. I mean... It's well, I mean, I mean, it, 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 like they had hired surveyors to survey oh, everything, course, and yeah. they told him, you know, where is where is the southern point of this? And he was like, there, you know, he, sure, sure, sure. You know, but I mean, I mean, Washington laid the cornerstone of the Capitol building, but sure. he didn't build the thing. Right, right, right. Still, that's a big yeah. thing. It's um, um, what do you call it? Um, prestigious. Yeah. Uh, but so, oh man, I don't know, man. This guy is pretty important. Yeah, honestly. between like the Western land claims. Because, like, if he, if Maryland just ratifies the articles, just, you know, like any other state. Yeah. Then our state would, our country would look weird. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's still weird. possible that they would, that these other states would give up their claims, but it might have been a much more arduous process. Yeah. It, he got, may have thrown a span of the works of everything. Yeah, it would just be. Man, I'm going to have to give him, like, an eight. Eight? Yeah. I mean, that's, uh. The Western claims are, it's very important that the states give those up because it also, in a way, empowers the federal government. Because mm-hmm. if they're giving up their claims to the government, that's saying that they are a higher, I don't want to say higher power, but 
that they're they're like recognizing it. Yeah, basically. they're like they recognize the superiority of the federal government. Yeah, which is important, especially especially in this stage when it's federal so government new. is very weak. Yeah, it's new, weak. They they need that push of like well, this is a united yeah. thing. I'm gonna say a seven because it's just like uh, I I I feel like an eight. Like for me, is like an eight is like too much almost. Well, but that pushed me to an eight with the naming of Washington D.C. Yeah, that is important. <laughs> yeah, but also it's like it may not necessarily have been him. Yeah, but there's only like three guys. Three. Yeah, but I yeah eight and a seven, that is still a fifteen for We the People. I'd say it's pretty good. Yeah. So he's doing well so far. He's twelve and fifteen. He's a yeah twenty-seven so far. So that's pretty good. Now, articles of impeachment. Uh oh, how scandalous were they? Well, he owns slaves. Uh, of course. So a plantation a, owner. Yeah. I couldn't find really any de- uh, heavy details about it. Okay. Uh, he's not as he's not as well known as his cousin Charles. So there's not as much documentation on him. And the land that makes up uh, the District of Columbia, it's you know ten by ten, hundred miles square. Of course, there's previous landowners there, right. so the federal government has to buy the land from these landowners right. for the land they want for the federal buildings. Sure, yeah. He was related to two of the landowners in the federal district, <laughs> conveniently. Mm. In fact, the U.S. Capitol building sits on a hill that was owned by Carol's cousin. No way. Do you want to guess what that cousin's name is? Charles? Daniel Carroll. Daniel, dang. Our third Daniel Carroll of this episode. I, this family cannot. I just, they don't have any originality. Charles and Daniel. That's it. And John. <laughs> There's a John in there There's somewhere. John. <laughs> uh, his, Charles, like his, Charles Carroll's brother was named John, I think. That's it's weird. Yeah, it's like, just pick a different freaking name. That's like There's a so weird. many names in the English language. Give them a different one. And I mean any language really. Yeah. Come on. I mean, we got two more for you. Stephen and Cody. There there's two more for you, yeah. Carol family. I mean they're they had Irish descent, Seamus or something, you know what I mean? Like, come on. <laughs> <sighs> just it's just pick a different name. But yeah, so he spent federal money to pay his relatives for the land. I mean that's a little that's American as it comes. Yeah, yeah. I mean that, that's grease in the wheels. Dude, that's so. I mean that's. That I don't. Is I don't know if you want to count that as scandalous, but yeah, because that is probably just normal in this country. Yeah, I might give a point for that. Yeah, I, I was gonna say like a half or a point. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a point as well. So, so that's a five and a five. Five, yeah. Five and a five for articles of impeachment. So that's a ten. Uh, category. Uh, he's scoring pretty highly so far. So. Now, for your favorite category. Yes. The whites of their eyes. Oh, let me see his white eyes. What do they eyes. look like? Now, this is this painting, it was done in 1975, but is based on an earlier portrait. Okay. So it's an updated version of it, basically. Okay, no problem. Oh, man. Look at that. He is, it's like a full body portrait. Mm-hmm. He's, he's got, got that his... hand on the hip pose that they yeah, all that yeah. they all did he's got his so you waistcoat see his gut on. a little bit he's got a coat over his waistcoat man he's looking looking pretty dapper he looks yeah. he's got a little uh smirk on his face he's like yeah i just gave my cousin some money for 
for that yeah for that land over there. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's pretty nice. It's pretty good. Yeah. Color. I like color stuff. That's nice. Yep. I'm gonna give it. Uh, I'm gonna give it a, a three and a half. Three and a half. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll match it with that. Three and a half. It's not. It's it, it's certainly not. It we we've seen worse. Much worse. And we've seen nothing. Yeah, that's, <laughs> sometimes so that's a zero so yeah, yeah so three and a half and a three and a half that is a seven for the whites of their eyes but i will show you where he is in the constitution portrait oh he's back here he's way to the right he's or, in the back not way, way to the left i mean yeah he's way back here he is literally the like leftmost person oh but that i mean it looks like his portrait that you just showed me though yeah i mean it's a good likeness I like how he's also just like got his hand up in his coat, like hmm, hmm. very snooty. Yeah, yeah, he's like in the back corner there. That's pretty good. So. That's a good. That's a good one. So, yeah. So, uh, and then bonus round. How many of the founding documents did they sign? He signed two. Two. The Articles of Confederation. You know, he literally showed up on the last day he could to sign it. <laughs> And the Constitution, which I'll say this: for the Constitution Convention, he's only there half the time. He only mm. showed up; he didn't show up till August 9th, mm. which is like about a month and a half left. Mm. So, but yeah, whatever. he was there, signed it. So that is a total of forty-six. Dang, that's pretty. That's a lot, isn't it? That is. That's fourth. Dang, he's fourth. He is fourth. I mean, he he is pretty pretty. Important. Pierce Butler, fifty-one and a half. John and Samuel Adams both at forty-seven apiece, and yeah, this guy's at forty-six. Damn, I did. I honestly <laughs> didn't think he was gonna get that much. Lord. Yeah. Well, hey, he's pretty important. Honestly. But hey, oh yeah. Not about the score. No, that's not about the score. We gotta ask the question. What's the question? Is Daniel Carroll, a founding father, or or a floundering father? <laughs> I'm gonna go with founding father on this one. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, there's really not a whole lot to him. Like we've talked about people who had more, who we did not give it to. Mm-hmm. But there's just like enough little things that were it's imp- like, very important. It's like the land claims mm-hmm. because I, 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 we might also be a little biased on that because it directly affects our home <laughs> state. That's true. But I mean, look at that map though. Yeah, you don't want the map to look like that. No, no, God, no. Lord have mercy. No. Put that um, up on Twitter or something. Be like, look at this thing. It's a mess. Naming Washington, D.C. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. I mean, I mean that we... was only three out of three guys. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. Out of all the people that were involved in all the different things that had to make up our country, he was out of three guys to name our capital. Yeah. That's pretty big. I mean, we anyway, had one friend. Maybe we'd just be calling it the Federal District. Ugh. <laughs> Which is dumb. Yeah. So yeah, so uh, Daniel Carroll is a founding father. Now this one's a little short. I have a little history here. I thought I might talk about since I don't know if we'll get a chance to talk to about it again. And if we do, it'll be, you know, for far more, more, or for people with far more of a story. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'd fit in here. Talk about the history of the U.S. Capitol. Perfect, because so, he named it. <laughs> <laughs> so America's first national capital was Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm, which served know. as the capital from the nation's founding in July 1776 until June 1783, 
interrupted by a few brief periods of emergency, like <laughs> when the British occupied Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah. So Congress had to meet elsewhere. They met in Baltimore, Maryland from December 1776 to February of 1777. They met in Lancaster, Pennsylvania for one day in September 1777. Dang. And they met in York, Pennsylvania from September 1777 to June 1778, where they returned to Philadelphia. But then the capital was moved a few more times after the war. Uh, Princeton, New Jersey from June to November 1783. Annapolis, Maryland, from November 1783 to August 1784, and Trenton, New Jersey, from November to December 1784, before they finally settled on New York City. Hmm. And this was the location of the capital when the new government under the Constitution began operations in March 1789. Now, the Constitution provided Congress the power to determine the site of a new, from scratch, federal capital, as well as giving it exclusive power to govern it. Mm-hmm. So not doesn't belong to any state. All right. Multiple sites were discussed, but an agreement was not reached until 1790. So it was in New York that whole time. Yes. A compromise between Alexander Hamilton, Thomas Jefferson, and James Madison saw the placement of the National Capital District placed along the Potomac River on land donated by Maryland and Virginia in exchange for na- the national government assuming state debts. So Hamilton, part of his economic system, he wanted the federal government to assume all the debts of the states. Because okay. he wanted the federal government to be responsible for 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 like basically the entire uh economic the, system, basically. Like the debt of the nation, basically. Yes. Yeah. As opposed sense. to like individual states having relations with creditors in other countries. Right, right. So he wanted it all to be federal government, which makes sense. That makes sense, yeah. Jefferson and Madison, they were opposed to this because they're, again, very, like, more decentralized states' rights you know, type of oh, thing. Sure. However, they wanted the national capital to be in the South. Okay. And Hamilton saw an opportunity. He was like, all right, federal government will take state debts. You get the national capital in the South. Fair. And they were like, okay. Jefferson later regretted this because, in the end, it's like, Really, the location of the capital wasn't important, but <laughs> he, federal government assuming the state debts—that was not what I wanted. But it was sparkly, you know. Yeah. They're like, "Ooh, okay, yeah." Because yeah. I mean, DC is between Maryland, Virginia, both slave states, so that's really considered the South. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, and Washington okayed it because it was just up the river from his house. <laughs> right. So <laughs> yeah. he he's like, "I'm right down the street yeah. there." The Residence Act, signed by President George Washington on July 16, 1790, established the federal district and that it had to be ready for government occupancy by December 1800. In the meantime, Philadelphia would again serve as, as the nation's capital. So moves again to Philadelphia. Okay. The district would be a square measuring 10 miles on each side for a total of 100 square miles. Yeah. Washington appointed commissioners, including Daniel Carroll, to develop the city, survey it, acquire land, all that all that stuff. Now, two pre-existing towns existed within the district's borders, Alexandria and Georgetown. Okay. You've been to Alexandria. I know you've been to Alexandria because I was with you in Alexandria at one point. Mm-hmm. Which you may be asking, Cody, isn't Alexandria in Virginia? Mm-hmm. 
I'll, I'll explain that in a moment. And then, as I mentioned, on September 6, 1791, the commissioners named the district the District of Columbia and the capital city within the district as the city of Washington. Mm. So at this time, D.C. has three cities within it. Because we think of it now just like one city, state type of thing. At the time, it had three cities within it. Because it didn't take up like all the land in the, in the district yet. Sure, yeah. So Initially, Pierre L'Enfant a French military engineer, was hired to plan the layout of the city. L'Enfant is responsible for the basis of DC's grid layout. So I remember, like, DC's very, like, much on a grid, like A Street, B Street, C Street, remember all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, northwest, southwest sectors, like that type of thing. That's mm-hmm. LaFont's plan. However, he had a much more grandiose vision for it. He's French. Like, wide boulevards, like, massive parade ground, like, all this fancy stuff that... Yeah. The government can't really afford right now. He's French. He's fancy. Yes. So LaFond is fired. <laughs> and he's, get out. <laughs> he's replaced by Andrew Ellicott, who is one of the people that Daniel Carroll and the other commissioners hired to survey the city. Okay. And he adjusts LaFond's plan to be a bit more manageable. So Less French. Yes. <laughs> but LaFond's plan, like, he's still regarded as, you know, the... One one of the really most important people in DC's history because he's still the the layout broadly follows his plan. Yeah, it's like where the Capitol is, where the White House is. Yeah, I mean, where these all the important buildings. If it makes are. sense, it makes sense. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, pursuant to the Residence Act, the government moved to the still in progress Capitol in December eighteen hundred, and on February twenty first or February twenty seventh, eighteen o one, the District of Columbia Organic Act placed the district under the, the direct control of Congress. Which, consequently, is where the residents lost their right to vote. Because up until then, they're still part of Virginia, part of Maryland. Uh. Now they're part of the District of Columbia, uh. which does not have representation in Congress, which right. at this point cannot vote for president. They were just talking about that, like, not that long because ago. Because it's still a problem. Yeah. They can't uh, really vote for their own... Local leaders. All right. Like the mayor of D.C. is appointed by the president, or was at this time. Wow. So, uh, and now, in eight, now fast forward, in 1846, the Virginia portion, which so Alexandria, Virginia, that was given back to the state of Virginia, which is how we get D.C.'s modern borders. Because oh. you look at it like it's not a perfect square anymore. Oh. It's just like, just a chunk out of Maryland. Right. There's a few reasons for this. Uh, residents of Alexandria felt like they were being ignored by Congress in terms of like improvements needed because Congress was responsible for everything for in this district. So like, well, you know, we'd like to be part of Virginia again. Plus, there was also fears that Congress would ban slavery within the, the, the district. Uh-oh. Because they're just like, oh, well, we still want our slaves, so we've been a part of Virginia. Oh, wow. So, 1846, the Virginia parts painted back. I think it was like 1871 where the entire district was made coterminous with the city of Washington. Mm-hmm. So, like, Georgetown isn't its own separate little city anymore. Like, the entire district is now the city of Washington, mm-hmm. which is how we get Washington, D.C. Like, it's sure. just, they're sure. kind of yeah. just, they're, they're equitable in terms of, you know, what you're referring to. Sure, yeah. So, you could say... To this day, yeah. the District of Columbia still 
does not have any representation in Congress, despite wow. the fact that it has more residents than the st- states of Wyoming and Vermont. Oh, wow. It didn't. It wasn't able to vote for president until the 1960s, until the 23rd Amendment gave D.C. three electoral votes. Dang. They still do not have full control over certain uh, local functions. Congress still has to approve its budget every year, which... Wow. Congress can't approve the federal budget every year. Right. <laughs> they do They do get to elect their own mayor and city council. Nice. So they get that. But um, there are still other... Uh, a lot of problems with how D.C. is able to function as a locality and not necessarily, you know, just as the capital, but just as a regular city. Like, for example, during January 6th, most states, like their National Guards, the governor can just call them out and be like, okay, go do this. This is an emergency. We need you. Right. The mayor of D.C. can't call out the D.C. National Guard without approval from the Defense Department. Wow. That makes it a lot more difficult. Yes, which is kind of, was a problem on that day specifically. Yeah. Yeah. It was. <laughs> yeah. And that's ju- that's a big problem. Yeah. Because that can happen at any moment. I mean, that uh, proved it. Yeah. That can happen any time. Yep. And, yep. and our capital is completely yeah. not so, protected. Yeah. So. That's and, silly. And, and <laughs> the past few Congresses, there have been pushes, like mostly from the Democrats, to admit D.C. as a state. Okay. Yeah. But. It keeps getting blocked, mostly by Republicans, because D.C. votes overwhelmingly Democratic. Mm, of course. So, giving D.C. statehood, it would be like, okay, well, here's two extra Democrat senators. Whoops. Wow. So, That's why. So, yeah. let's leave our our capital completely unprotected, because all we might have these, more. And these three quarters of a million people, they don't get to they don't get representation. Exactly. Or at least voting representation. They get yeah. a delegate, but it's not. They don't get to vote on anything. But. All right. So That's yeah, they're they're man. like the current, like the most recent proposal is to basically, because you still technically have to have a federal district, basically shrink the federal district down to just essentially just the federal buildings, like the White House, Capitol building, Supreme Court, federal office buildings, all that stuff, like the National Mall. That would be the federal district, yeah. and nobody lives there, right? Except like, well, I mean, that's the president, but, uh, but uh, resident, yeah, but, normal citizens, yeah. And then everything else would be admitted as a state, and yeah. they would name it the Washington Douglas Commonwealth after Washington and Frederick Douglass. That way, you can still call it Washington D.C. Cause it's just, Look at that. Because it's just Look like... Look at that. Yeah, it's just like, I mean, it's known by this now, so why not? So, there's proposals to do it. It's just the political will to do it. Yeah, of course. That's always like, the like problem. The, like, the House has passed it repeatedly, but it just, it just keeps getting jammed up in the Senate because filibuster, so... That needs to be thrown out. The yes, filibuster crap. Yes, it does, but we're, we're way outside the top, the, the purview of this show now, but... Oh, sorry, yeah. Sorry, everybody. But yeah, so that I figured you know, a little bit of DC history. I don't know if we'll, we'd get the chance to talk about specifically DC itself, but I feel you know it's important. I mean, so many, 
so many important events take place there. I feel like you know it's it started around this time, so maybe we should talk about it. And this guy, you know, kind of gave a good opportunity for it. And if you've never visited Washington D.C., do it. It's, oh yeah, it's like like we worth went, it. Was it April twenty nineteen? I think mm-hmm. we were there for I think a week. A week. It was great. I had a great time. And yeah, I had a great time. Went and saw so much stuff, and still didn't get to see everything. Yeah. So well, so much history. If you give a crap about America at all. It's definitely got to yep. go. Okay, we saw library. We saw Capitol Building. Saw the White House, uh-huh. which was cool. Which really, that place is a lot smaller on the inside than I thought <laughs> yeah, it was going to be. Yeah, it is. I think there's a lot of underground stuff, though. Oh yeah, and bunkers and yeah. Uh, we also didn't get to see the West Wing. So yeah, the Lincoln Monument's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's uh, Jefferson. Amazing. I saw the Washington Monument. Saw most of the Smithsonian Museums, Library mm-hmm. of Congress. Yep. Um. We took a night, like that night walking tour, uh-huh. like World War II mo- monument, MLK monument. Yep. That was great. That was awesome. That was cool. Um, yeah, there, and we and there's like that stuff we didn't we didn't get to see the African American Museum. Right. Didn't get to see the Holocaust Museum. Yeah. Didn't see the Naval. Mu- I think the Navy Museum is there too. Yeah. Didn't see that. There's a there's a bunch of there's museums. There's a lot stuff of museums. We didn't see. <laughs> yeah. It's like I got, it's like I want to go back, but like not. Anytime soon, yeah. but at some point in my life, I'd like to go back to see the stuff I didn't get to see. Yeah, but yeah. So it, it's definitely a place to go. I mean, you might think, oh, you know, just a bunch of monuments and museums. That's boring. It's not boring at all. No, there's a lot of other stuff outside of the monuments and the, and the museums and everything. The, the yeah. whole city itself yeah. is great. The food was great. The people are good. They're cool. Didn't have any problems like that with that. Yep. Didn't feel unsafe. I felt unsafe in that Uber at one point. <laughs> Yeah, I thought well, the guy was gonna hit us. Yeah, they know what they're doing. And then the guy was trying to convert us. That one that was hilarious. Yeah, that was hilarious. That was great. <laughs> yeah, but anyway. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that was Daniel Carroll and a bit of DC. DC. Hey, hey Daniel Carroll and DC. Oh yeah, oh, I didn't think about that. Oh, wow, oh, man. man, I outsmarted myself. Oh jeez. Uh, sources for this: Mary Virginia Geiger, Daniel Carroll, a framer of the Constitution. Uh, Tom Lewis, Washington, History of Our National Secret has five. And of course, the Biographical Directory of the U.S. Congress for Daniel Carroll, uh, Robert Wright, and Morris McGregor, Soldier Statesman of the Constitution, that I'll be used that several times, and see the pin tweet for general sources. Uh, the podcast to recommend this week, Wonders of the World. We talk mm. about monuments. Uh, this is a show includes a lot of monuments. Like the... Modern wonders of the world or ancient wonders of the Both. world? Both. Wow, nice. The host go. I think uh, she has a list of, I think a hundred she's going through. Oh. Um, the one that always intrigued me was the uh, the giant of Rhodes, Colossus Rhodes. That Colossus of Rhodes. That I one think, I was. I've always she, wanted it. I, I was she like, talks about. I don't. Remember, that would have been early on. Yeah. But like, all, like all around the world, like. All sorts of stuff. So it wasn't the pyramids too one. Yes. Yeah. It's only it's only one of the ancient wonders that's still around. Yeah. Um, but uh, just very various countries, various areas. So cool. Go check it out. Great. I might listen to that one. Yeah. <laughs> so next time we will be discussing going back to the uh, Continental Association, which is something we haven't talked about in a little while. Now, since Simon Boerham, uh, the founder in this case, would be Richard Caswell. Caswell. Richard Caswell. That sounds like a snooty fellow. <laughs> maybe is he is, from maybe the south? isn't. 
I don't know. Okay. We'll see. All right, all right. Please be sure to check out our other projects, including We Effed Up, a history podcast where we cover all the times in history where we effed up. And The Drunken Pawn, a YouTube channel where we play board games and drink craft beer. As well as Hard Ticket to Sedaris, a movie podcast covering the action films of the late Andy Sedaris. And for all of our projects, visit our Twitter at AOP Pod Network. I'm Steven. And I'm Cody. And this is Imperfect Imperfect Men. Men.